Hey, how's it going? Well, I have whiplash. How about you? Um, well, on Wednesday, I cried in my bed for two hours, and then I was at the emergency vet all night last night, so I would take whiplash, I think. Well, I don't have actual whiplash. I just have whiplash from the movie, but do you want to hear good news? I always want to hear good news. I'm getting my first COVID vaccine on Thursday. I'm so happy for you. Like, really, I am. That sounded a little patronizing, but I really am very happy for you. Well, you've gotten yours. Like, I literally wept. Yeah. The end of 2019 and all of 2020 were so fucking hard for me. And not all of it had to do with COVID, but a lot of it had, like, part of it had to do with COVID. And it was, like, I am just so glad to at least be leaving part of that behind me. And especially because the day before I get my vaccine, the mask mandate here will be lifted because Greg Abbott was like, well, y'all all didn't die in the uh, power outage. So now I'm going to kill you with COVID. Right. Right. He, he really is playing the hunger games with Texas. Yeah. If he gets reelected, I am going to have to move. I got room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am very excited to get my vaccine and then I leave for vacation in five days. And I'm very excited about that too. I am excited for you. I'm jealous. So just on top, like we will not have an episode next week because I will be in the Grand Canyon. Yes. I love and y'all, but. I was going to try to find a guest host and then this week happened and I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> And next week is my spring break, so it'll be kind of nice for me to put my feet up for a week too and yeah, have a staycation. You know, like we um, sometimes we need it. We've yeah. So and I hope you don't hate us. Like maybe Paul will stitch together some Patreon. I don't know. I don't know. But we'll like we'll we'll miss you. We'll be back. But we'll be recharged. And you know what? We yes. both need a rest. It's been some shit. We are trying to be super positive on here and because you know and i am trying to be a more positive person just in general in 2021 but it's been a tough few weeks um the freaking the freaking power outage just stuck with me i feel like i still haven't gotten power back like in my body (laughs) right um well positive i um so today as we're recording um, I will say negative is the third anniversary of my biggest publishing rejection ever. And it was a hard blow that I stood on for a long time, but um, I've been working through that in therapy. Mm-hmm. And so my therapist and I have um, talked at length about how um, he says that when I talk about writing, I don't talk about anything the way I talk about writing that even when I talk about music, which is what my degree is in, that it is not the same passion and gusto. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, that I just have to put myself back out there. And then he was like, and I don't, I don't know why you're like worried. You're, you're already a writer. He said, you told me about your stuff on Wattpad, by the way. Um, I have a book on Wattpad. It's a little problematic. I've got to do some changes. Um, I wrote it, I wrote it and then the Me Too movement came out and there's a problematic scene that the Me Too movement opened my eyes to that I am happy to have learned from, but now I have to like make some changes. 
Um, so thank God for people who are happy to teach me. Um, but, but so, you know, I've just kind of put that on the back burner, but anyway, all that to say, he was like, you told me about this book that has 200,000 reads and, and clearly you're a writer. So like, stop pretending like you're not just because you're not published and now just do the published part. And I don't know why, like that was the, the push that I needed because like logic, cause I don't do logic. That seems stupid. Yeah, um, sure. I mean, it does. So, <laughs> right. So, um, I started editing my other manuscript, the one that is less problematic and will require less rewriting and just need some editing. And, uh, I'm about ready to send that back out to agents and put myself is back. Is that out one there. about Schmeeper Schmeens? There's like a thousand of them. No, the Schmaper Schmames is the one that's a little problematic. Oh, hmm, I like that one. Um, I'll have to go. I well, I may have forgotten the problematic part. So that is. Well, quite I am editing out the problematic part, but I'm about to tell you just so you know. Yeah. So at least it's not published yet, so I can fix it. Um, there you go. I mean, one positive is my hair looks so good right now. I can't stop touching it. (laughs) I was noticing that mine looks crazy. I'm getting it cut tomorrow. I was trying to do the David Rose, um, but then I realized I'm too impatient to let it grow out the right way. So yeah, you can't do the David Rose because if I see you do one more video where you're just constantly doing this with your hair, I'm gonna like fly through the screen and smack you. I watch you play with your hair the whole time. What's different? I like the way my hair feels. Um, it's also so pretty mine um, feels amazing and i also by this point of the night my, roots, my adhd medicine is worn off so i have to, to have some kind of nervous stick. this is we just play with our hair with aaron and paul <laughs> um like my hair looks so good today <laughs> so tell me what you're reading i want to hear at the top usually i save it for the Ooh, end but i want to hear now um so I just started my book of the month. My, well, I got two book of the months this month. Um, one is The Lost Apothecary. I'm super into it. I've been on like a fantasy kick and I'm not a fantasy reader. And they're not like, they're like, they're like fantasy light, I would say. Okay. Um, Addie LaRue, um, uh, The Starless Sea, and now The oh, Lost Sarah Apothecary. Oh, Sarah said I have to read that one, so that's oh, on my so list. so good. Um, the Lost Apothecary. So The Lost Apothecary is a woman, it's like set in two different times. A woman um, in present time goes to London. Um, it's supposed to be for her anniversary, but her husband breaks her heart for reasons. And she goes on this little like weird like digging thing in the in the river and she finds like a vial of something and it turns out it's from this lost Don't apothecary it. no it's from this lost apothecary where the woman in the apothecary would help uh abused women or scorned women um poison their significant others oh fun is it and so it's like a back any- and forth is there any amount of history in this? Because I'm not sure. I just started it. I am already like in love with the story. It's so good. So highly recommend. Okay. I do believe it's already out. I don't think it's an arc. Um, Very good. Not too long ago. Maybe it was um, my favorite murder covered a uh, a woman who would 
make poisons for their husbands and like basically it's his entire like village died out and well, so I it's wonder so if funny because wine and crime released like an extra episode today and it was about poisons and it was about a woman like um one of them was a woman in hungary like right after world war one when like the men in the village were being assholes because like ptsd we didn't know yeah what that was this, about. it's the same and story. so yeah and so she would like give everybody poisons and then like it got to be a little too mobular so she got caught <laughs> yeah so th- mm-hmm. it's the same story yeah so yeah so i'm sure it has some kind of basis in fact i'll have to report back when i finish but so far i'm loving it um i do i love books set in london i love that look my dream is to live in London someday that's no secret but um and I love the juxtaposition of going back to like the 1700s and then back to present time it's kind of cool so it's fun I love that and I'm also on a Brene Brown I'm in the middle of braving the wilderness you know oh yeah myself a better person very good what about you what are you reading so I um finished 50 words for rain. It had a twist. I was so not expecting. Ooh, um, I yeah. love that in a book. Ugh. Yeah. To the point that like, and it happens actually pretty early in the book. So like, I was like real mad, like early for a twist to happen. So then I was like, the hell is going on? You know, like, and I was reading, I was reading it in class. So the kids were watching me get like antsy because I give, I give all my classes 15 minutes of independent reading time and Mm -hmm. I model good reading practices too, you know? And so like their one class is like watching me. I'm just going to read my book. (laughs) Well, I don't like slack off or like text or do like respond to emails you know um why and they'll you watch me like actually get 15 under an uninterrupted right reading. but like they'll watch me annotate my books and take notes and sure. write quotes and things you know but like this one of my students was like mr adams you good and i was like no no i am not <laughs> i am not okay um so i finished that and i started the um the voting booth which I, I checked out a couple of weeks ago. Did I tell you about that one? I'd put it on reserve. Um, so it is, um, about two, um, black teenagers. They are voting for the first time in their life. It is set in this most recent election. Um, the the girl main character i've forgotten their names because it's still so early in me reading it the girl main character has these political aspirations like her her goal in life is to be like um the attorney general or you know like she's got these very lofty goals and so she's very politically minded and so she kind of self-appoints herself a poll volunteer and mm-hmm. so she's helping make sure everybody knows where they're supposed to be and that they're registered and stuff. And, and the, the guy in there is, um, I said the girl, the young woman, sorry. The, the guy in there is, um, he, his family is also very politically aware, but because of, um, some instance of, as it was described in the podcast that I heard it recommended on, um, an instance of like police brutality or something like that, where his family was targeted because of, of their background. Um, and so they are politically aware for very different reasons. And he gets to go, like he gets to the voting booth and he is not on the list. Oh. 
And so she is like, well, then we need to go fix this. And so it's about the process because there is a process to get registered the day of, but it's a there lengthy is. one. And like, mm -hmm. it, it tackles what voter suppression actually looks like. It's nothing like what was described by any of the politicians this year. And it's shocking, right? It takes you on a, um, on a journey of these two teenagers, like having to run all around town to complete all the steps to get registered before the polls close. But then um he also so the boy is like the owner of this world's like grumpy cat internet meme situation and he runs the instagram for his cat that is their version of grumpy cat and there's like internet drama around his cat that he's having to deal with but he doesn't want to let her know that he's dealing with his internet famous cat at the same time because every That's teen funny. book has this element of something mm -hmm. super zany you know yeah 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 well, and okay, so A, I want to put like feelers out to our listeners out there. If you are in publishing books, Barnes and I don't know, if you can get your hands on the new Alex Michelides book, The Maidens, or the new Riley Sager book, um, I can't remember what it's called. The new Riley Sager book. You'll know what it is. Um, Survive the Night. Uh, please send them to me. I need them immediately, if not sooner. Uh <laughs> oh, and I do want to give a glowing recommendation for a book that I've been sitting on for a long time. An yes. ARC was sent to me in June, July. I read it. Do you remember when Sarah and I went and got a cabin out on the water yeah. this mm -hmm. summer? So I read it that weekend. Um, the... It's called Perfect on Paper. It's by Sophie Gonzalez. She is an absolute delight. She and I have become Twitter friends. Um, her book comes out tomorrow. So yesterday as this episode goes live. Um, and it is about, it is young adult romance. It is adorable. Um, the main character is a bisexual teenager who's only ever been in love with women, but she starts to develop feelings for a guy and she starts to have to face the issues of what um, bisexual erasure looks like and where she fits in in the LGBTQ community and um, all of the issues that come with that. And it is so beautifully written um, by, uh, by an author who also has dealt with those experiences with like, who has the firsthand knowledge to do it beautifully. Um, it's just a delightful read. I loved it so much. So I want to give I that. I would also like to plug a book that comes out tomorrow just because I love this guy. Um, he is so wonderful and so great. Um, you'll, if you watch Hallmark movies, you will know him from Hallmark movies, or maybe if you watched Wonder Woman, you will know him as, uh, a character from the last Wonder Woman movie. Uh, Christopher Palaha is, oh yeah, publishing a book tomorrow. It's called Moments Like This. I listened to a very long interview he did. Um, he co-published with a woman named Anna, Go uh, Anna Gomez and um it's set in hawaii um it's a love story they initially set out to do it like to have it turned into a hallmark movie but it got a little too like 
serious for Hallmark. So um, I'm, it's going to be a series. I'm very excited. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to pick it up and read it for sure. So um, moments like this, Christopher Palaha and Anna Gomez, definitely check that out. Um, I love Christopher Palaha. I've actually like spoken to him briefly several times. He is such a nice guy, like just the best down to earth, like nicest guy ever. Absolutely. And he actually used to live in Hawaii. So he's like writing from a perspective where he actually knows these spots that he's writing about. Well, I, we're not recording in our traditional software. I think we're about 98 minutes into our recording. So (laughs) we should probably say this is lifetime sentence Mm -hmm. and I'm the plucky reader. I'm just Aaron. And this week I watched circle of deception and it was, um, the first, the directorial debut of who I'll call friend of the show still, cause I'm a wishful thinker, uh, <laughs> Ashley Williams, who I just adore. I, I do. I, do I can't too. stop loving her. I adore her just to bits. Um, we've actually talked to her before too. She is just a delightful human. So this is her directorial debut feature film directorial debut. She did have a short film that was at Sundance this year. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was. So this is based on a novel by Anne Rule. So obviously based in the true crime world, um, it stars Diane Neal and she plays Peggy Sue. That name's really familiar. She's the redheaded lawyer from Law and Order SVU. Oh, okay. Thank you. She was also on NCIS and the following. I like literally, they don't say her name until like halfway through this movie. So I just call her Law and Order SVU. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that's where I know her from. Like she's so famous on that show. Right. I mean, that show is like a soap opera. It's been on forever and it will be on forever. Um, I'm going to butcher this. It has so no I'm beginning sorry. and no end. Um, Tamo Pinnacott. You fucking nailed it. I did. Um, he plays Jim. He's from Battlestar Galactica, Dollhouse, and he, excuse me, he was in Man of Steel. Okay. Could he play in Man Mc- of Steel? Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't have to look it up. I just didn't know if you grabbed it. Um, you look it up while I. Okay. The rest of the story. Paul McGillian, he plays Russell. He's from Firefly Lane, Stargate Atlantis, Star Trek, and Tomorrowland. And he was he's also from a bunch of different Hallmark movies. And I didn't write them all down because I was trying to get my vaccine. So I'm sorry. Um I need you to do this man of steel thing so I can get into like our biggest star from this movie, who I'm so excited to tell you about. Okay, well, then I'm going to go super duper slow. It's my neighbor's dog. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were saying that was your biggest star. Yeah. Okay. It is. Uh, He was Jed Eubanks. I don't know who that is. Okay. Man, yeah, that's even louder than Winston. Yeah, okay. So finally, we have Jill Morrison. Her, she plays Brenna and she is an icon. Is so she? Instead, of, instead of telling you, do not look her up. Do not. Okay. X out that screen right now. I see you. Okay, looking at her face still doesn't tell me anything. So 
I'm going to read you the line from the most famous movie that she's been in. And I want you to tell me the next line. Okay. Oh, God. I wish we could all get along like we used to in middle school. <laughs> she didn't even I go wish here. I, could, I wish I could make a cake filled with rainbows and smiles and everyone would eat and be happy. <laughs> yes. She doesn't even go here. She doesn't even go here. She was the redhead girl in Mean Girls. She is a fucking icon and you cannot tell me any difference. You were like, you were like, don't look her up. And I was like, I'm looking at her face and it literally tells me nothing. So like, I don't know what you thought looking her up was going to do for you. <laughs> because when you scroll down and see Mean Girls. Immediately, I could have put that together. But yeah. yeah. Okay. I like, okay. She's also been in Motherland, Project Blue Book, and to all the boys I've loved before, but none of that matters because she was that girl in Mean Girls. <laughs> Come on. Like, she was the more iconic redhead in Mean Girls. Right? Fight me. Oh, man. So we open with a girl blowing bubbles in a yard. And then we cut to a guy driving a car, practicing an apology to his wife. He drives a yellow Ford Escape, which is already a deal breaker for me. That's what he's <laughs> apologizing for. He pulls to the side of the road for reasons. And we'll get to the reasons at the end of the movie. Cause I was like, I don't understand why he just pulled over to the side of the road. Um, Someone comes out from the trees and the man waves to him. He rolls down his window and says, Merry Christmas. And the mystery person shoots him in the head. Isn't that how you respond to Merry Christmas? And then you hold up a Starbucks cup and you're like, it's happy holidays, motherfucker. No. no. Isn't that what started the war on Christmas? Don't even go there. <laughs> I'm sorry, so the I, posted war on a meme, I posted a meme on my Facebook last week that was something like um, don't like uh, people that are trying to talk to us about cancel culture like invented cancel culture oh, like I saw that like I had a visceral reaction to Harry that Harry Potter like evangelical Christians created cancel Sandy culture. Patty like when you when it pulled out Sandy Patty I was like damn they dug in deep do not get that twisted because that shit was created by evangelical Christians and there is nothing you can do to persuade me otherwise. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Okay, so the police get there and they're gathering evidence and they say the victim's name is Russell Douglas. And the detective is like, oh, I recognize that name. And we just immediately cut to law and order SVU coming out of the police station in handcuffs. Well, why not? Maybe she's Russell Douglas. The voiceover states that everyone always underestimates the beauty queen. A reporter walks up to her and asks why she did it. And she just smiles. And we cut to one year earlier on Whidbey Island in Washington state. We are at a funeral in a bar. You have a baby in a bar. Yay. <laughs> um, but it's not the funeral of the same guy that just was shot in the head. So yeah um law and order is at the funeral asking her friend if some dude is looking at her 
her friend is like, uh, no. And so she makes a big show of like crying to catch the guy's attention. This works. And so um, they all clink glasses to Sam. And oh, it's not her friend, it's her older sister. So the music starts and they all start dancing because I guess that's what you, I've been doing funerals wrong my whole life. Yeah, I hate to tell you. But funerals are all about the delicious funeral food and the dancing. I grew up Baptist. We don't, we don't dance. Yikes. That's how the devil Sorry. makes you have sex. <laughs> Fuck, that's what did it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, she's in a dive bar and she orders a white Russian, and I object. She's like, can I have one champagne, please? Can I have um, one very expensive martini? Who orders a white Russian in a bar? Who orders a white Russian? Question mark. Like, you don't even have to put the rest of that. Like, this isn't your 21st birthday at a Chili's. she keeps making eyes at the same guy that she was checking out earlier and he walks up to her later to chat he introduces himself as jimmy and she says i know exactly who you are and then she walks away and then they make out in a hallway by the bathroom because romance is not dead i mean get one white russian in me and will i make out with a jimmy by the bathroom They go back to her place and we cut to the next morning. She sleeps in a satin robe, which is a choice. Um, Jimmy's on the phone talking about computers or whatever, but then he gets back in bed to tell her how rich he is before ravishing her again, like, like you do. Later, she's bragging to her friend. Oh, she's bragging to her friend about his gifted tongue and how they had nine straight hours of sex. And I was like, you have a UTI. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Please don't kill me. Okay. Continue. Her friend gets super annoyed and she's like, well, Russell and I have a lot of sex too. Like tons of it every day, all the time, marathon sex all the time. He loves kinky shit. He bought fuzzy handcuffs on the internet one time. We are kinky as fuck. She's like, one time he even said, what if we didn't do missionary? What if we did cowgirl? What if we did reverse cowgirl? We mixed it up. We bopped it. We twisted it and we pulled it. (laughs) <laughs> and by pulled it, I mean I pulled a muscle. <laughs> this is what happens when you have sex when you're old. Oh God, I miss sex so much. Okay. Um. Uh. What are you doing? Pulling it. you don't pull it while we're on the call i'm taking notes of our episode you were like banging on the table i was writing but the desk shifted this week Mm -hmm. um so it wobbles because 
um, little man had to have a an evaluation this week, but apparently they do evaluations through Zoom. And then they couldn't figure out why I couldn't make my two-year-old stand, like sit in a chair for two hours for an evaluation. <laughs> and I was like, have you ever heard of two-year-olds before? Um, no. And they're, I mean, that's on why you're not in jail. Okay. So law and order is like, well, you can do way better than Russell. And I was like, oh, that's the guy that got murdered. (laughs) You're putting Um, these pieces together, like real slow today. Okay. Also. Oh God. Okay. So law and order is problematic and uh, like, we'll find out she's problematic for a lot of reasons, but this is just the first reason she's problematic. She tells her friend that she can totally do better than Russell, you know, once she loses some weight. Fuck no. That's a really bad friend. Yeah. Like real bad. Um, um, the only... <laughs> The only um, thing that I remember from Eat, Pray, Love is whenever the there's a whole conversation about like dieting or whatever. And they're like, um, have you ever been naked in a room with a man? Because like a man doesn't actually care. <laughs> like a man sees boobs and he's done. Like I, I have always like, I mean, it is fair, the have most you ever seen redu- boobs? They're amazing. It is the most reductive conversation, but also that. Yeah, she's like, so we're now we're going to eat this pizza and then tomorrow we'll go buy bigger jeans. Right, exactly. Yes, that conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the conversation they should have had, not you're going to be doing so much better when you, you lose those 15 pounds. Like you're going to be fine. Okay, so then Jim walks into the salon and he and Law and Order just start making out in front of her friend, which is weird. Like, I get, like, kissing, but not, like, like, I don't need you to wrap your legs around your boyfriend and, like, dry hump in front of me for me to know that you guys like each other. I get it. I always find that kind of performative making out, like, what are you compensating for? Yeah. Um, later at home, the friend is sitting in bed holding a pillow, looking absolutely terrified by the array of sex toys at the end of her bed. Russell pops up from the floor with a cheesy boom box, welcoming her to, quote, taboo for you. He tickles her with a feather is, thing. Is this and like she say laughs. anything style, like on his shoulder? No, it's on the bed. No. And it's like, it's kiss me by sixpence, none the richer, while he's just got a double into dildo, just like kiss me and he's just like waving it around because like i'm here for this scene now that i've written in my head because lifetime did not do it well that was a lot listen a lot okay i'm just gonna move on Um, it's been a really tough week so he tickles her with a feather duster and she like laughs and he gets really mad and i was like dude if you're not laughing while you're having sex you're doing it wrong like you should be having a good time right it doesn't all have to be like, uh, 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 you know, because in fact, in fact, guys, it, it should not always be like that. Stop watching porn, please. <laughs> um, and I was, and then I, then I guess he's trying to give her a sales pitch because he's going to sell the sex toys. He's not trying to get her to play with them. He wants to sell them to her friends. 
Wait. So that was just like the showroom floor? Yeah. He put on just like a he put on like a used blazer and he was like Sunday, 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 25% off. (laughs) Only a few miles on this model. Come get them now. Ew. Um, So he tries to get her to sell some of the stuff at Jim's going away party. And she says, quote, no way in hell am I showing up at a pub with an armload of dildos. And then she storms out of the room. And I just wrote, that's it. I'm dead. Like the show is (laughs) over. Like I died. I'm done. That was hilarious. Um. So they go out, they go out for Jim's going away party. Russell doesn't join them. I'm sure he was just busy. (laughs) And friend gets really drunk and starts to cry about what a couple, what a perfect couple Jim and law and order are together and how sad it is that he's leaving. And then I wrote, oh my God, Brenna, that's the friend's name. Her name is Brenna. Oh, good. We got there. So Law and Order gets her sister Janice to drive crying Brenna home and she and Jim talk about how much they're going to miss each other. He asks if she's happy with her life and she says sometimes she thinks about moving to Vegas. Why not? Um, She asks him if he's happy in his life and he says he's always wanted to kill someone. So that escalated really quickly. Oh, you know, when you start bearing your heart at 1.30 in the morning and you're like, you know, I just always thought that I'd be singing on Broadway. And then your partner's like, I always thought I'd be in prison for Grand Theft Auto. You know, those conversations, we've all had them. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, totally. Yeah, there's totally people I want to kill. LOL. And then. (laughs) Totes. Everything gets all serious. And she's like, what we have is special and normal rules don't apply. And I don't know what that means, but it must be a sexy time because they make out and then they leave. So we cut to law and order all depressed in bed because Jim left while her sister cleans up around her. Perfect. Uh, law and order does a quick off-brand Google search and finds out that Jim's business partner, Jean, is also his wife, Jean. Yikes. He calls and says how much he misses her and how he has a proposition. Proposition. And I guess they're moving to Vegas. Okay. I almost sang the Katy Perry song Waking Up in Vegas, but I didn't. So now everybody just imagine that I did for you. Well, now that's stuck in my head. So You're long welcome. order is messing with her hair and dreaming about Vegas while Brenna complains about her husband. Um, Law and Order gets mad at Brenna for always complaining about her husband and tells her that if she's so mad to just grow is fine and do something about it. So she's like, oh my God, come part, come to Vegas and party with me and Jim. Sorry about your shitty marriage. Marriage. I'm a narcissist. Bye. And then leaves. So we're in Vegas and Law and Order is talking to Brenna on the phone while she and Jim fool around, which is so gross. Like, get off the phone. Right. Just, just, just put it down. I mean, I say that, but also I never mind. I'm yeah, okay. I okay. <laughs> anyway, so Russell and Sally come back home from the carnival where Fran. Not our friend, friend. 
<laughs> Fran Drescher. Drescher got Sally a milkshake and won her a toy, and she's really good at darts. And Brenna is like, um, excuse me, who the hell is Fran? She accuses Russell of sleeping with Fran, which instead of denying, he says, quote, you don't even like carnivals. Perfect. <laughs> yes, deflection. So she kicks him out. Um, so Brenna pours herself a glass of wine and calls Peggy. Her name is Peggy. Yay! To announce that she did it. She kicked Russell out. While she's talking to Peggy, um, Peggy and Jim arrive home to find their door unlocked slash open. For reasons I will never understand, this does not freak them out at all. They just go inside. It's not until they hear a noise in the other room that they get freaked out. Jim picks up an empty wine bottle to use as a weapon, but it's just Sister Janice sitting in the living room crying because her husband is leaving her. Um, Peggy comforts her and she's like, I'm so mad I could just kill him. And Jim is like, well, if you want, I could take him out for you. Oh, yeah. And he's already had that um, midnight confessional. Yeah. And Janice at first is like, oh, my God, that's so sweet. And then she realizes he's actually talking about murdering him. And she's like, no. And Peggy's like, no, he's totes kidding. No worries. It's fine. But Janice is totally freaks out, freaked out and like leaves in the middle of the night. <laughs> I would too. Like <laughs> hard same. Oh, poor Janice. Oh, okay. Um, the next morning, Peggy's like, dude, what the fuck? And he says, he's not a psycho and he's not a sadist. He doesn't enjoy hurting people. Okay. He just really wants revenge on his stepdad who used to beat his mom and him. But he's dead now, and so he can't get revenge on him, so he wants to kill someone else in his place, which is super normal. I mean, I mean, yeah, look, look at how it worked out for Ted Bundy. I mean, and so Peggy's like, bro, like, you gotta let this go, and I'll do anything to help you. And then she looks in his face, she's like, anything. Why did you lean in like that? I didn't need a I didn't need an example, Aaron. I didn't need you to get all up in my space like that. I'm just trying to be emotive, okay? Method acting. I didn't need all that. Anyways, you don't appreciate <laughs> me ever. Jim gets a call and steps outside to take it. It's his wife. Apparently, he told her that he was moving to Vegas to get work in a band and she believed it okay everyone goes i wish to i wish i could say that i have more information about how this dynamic worked but i don't um so the thing is that's that's what happened he moved to vegas and they had a it's in my notes somewhere he moved to vegas and his band was starting up and they were called something like Jim Brim and the exhibitionists or something, but without an E in exhibitionist, so it was edgy. <laughs> yes, that eye roll is God, how I felt. I've seen that band live. <laughs> <laughs> I probably went on, on a date with their drummer. Did he just no shit. play drum with never mind? Don't I stop punish that. Please don't. Okay. I'm gonna have to start um, taking my meds before we record. 
so his wife is like, hey, by the way, we're like very broke. And so maybe I can come stay with you until we figure out um, all this financial stuff. And he's like, that's so weird. I have to run. The band is calling me right this second. Bye, babe. But uh-oh, Peggy's standing behind him. Like, you call your business partner, babe? And you think that he's busted, but he's not. Because she says, how's Jean? By the way, I know you were married the whole time. And it's totally fine. I'm a big girl. I know what I'm getting myself into. Spoiler alert. She does not have big girl. I know what I was getting myself into attitude later down the line. Okay. Just just holding on to that. Putting that one in our pocket. Mm, yeah. Um. So back in Washington, Brenna and Russell are fighting. So Brenna decides Russell can figure shit out for himself for a week. And she's going to see Aunt Peggy in Vegas. She's only bringing bad news, though, because as it turns out, Peggy and Jim are broke. So and so is Brenna. So she can't buy Peggy's house. And so is Russell. So she's not going to get any money from divorcing him. We already know that Jean doesn't have any money. So that's a bummer. Everybody's broke. Um, I just would like to... um, present something to these people that could help them maybe get money and it's called a job um i i hear you but what if instead we killed somebody made it look like an accident and split the double life insurance policy 18 ways and each came out with $34.58. Or what if we kill your husband, don't tell you about it, and then we don't get any of the money because we plan this super poorly? <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, that also is an option. And I, I kind of like where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Peggy's like, oh, this is fine. We're going to totally figure it out. So everyone gets wasted. And Peggy talks about how attracted she is to Jim's darkness which is weird. So when Brenna gets home, her daughter, oh my God, this, when Brenna gets home, her daughter like runs up to her on a playground and she's like, did you gamble away all of our money? And then she runs away. So there's no like answer. It's just like, no. So she and Russell gets into another fight. So she and Russell get into another fight and he threatens to take their daughter to Alaska, which is super uncool. And I just wrote in all caps, please don't use your kids as pawns in your divorce. It's disgusting. Um, so then Brenna contacts the police about a restraining order. Um, and Brenna gets kind of carried away when describing her issues with Russell to the detective. So she definitely gets her restraining order. And also, yikes, don't lie about being abused, even if your husband is being a giant douchebag. Just yeah. don't do it. Um, back in Vegas, Peggy and Jim need money because he's been partying too much with her. So he needs to go home and work. And also he misses his wife. He says Peggy is more than enough for him, but neither of them can afford to live like Vegas party animals. And I just wrote, because no one can, no one can afford to live like that. Um, Peggy leans over and tells him that if he leaves her, she'll just go down to Florida and out his affair to his wife, which, dude, you said you were cool about it. So that's not cool. Right. Don't be like, oh, I knew this whole time and I'm okay with it. And then be like, by the way, I'm totally going to out you. 
Pick yeah. a circle, Peggy. Right. Um, <laughs> just then, Brenna calls to complain about Russell and tell her about the restraining order. Um, Brenna tells Peggy that Russell should just stop buying things he can't afford, like skateboards and life insurance, which I feel like are two very different things. What were the two options? Skateboards and life insurance. I mean, that's an old adage down here, over here in Louisiana. Sure. Yeah. This piques Peggy's interest and Jim's too. Uh, later, Brenna's daughter is playing with her puppet at the table and really stressing her mom out for, I guess, reasons. Um, I'm starting to really not like anyone in the movie except this kid. So, oh, and also the sister who like yeeted herself out of Vegas with her. <laughs> <laughs> like, bye. <laughs> um, Sally says she misses her dad and Brenna says she does too, but there's a bunch of grown up stuff going on and then she sends Sally to her room. Sally screams, I hate you. And then Brenna's like, oh shit, I fucked up. So she calls the police and is like, I want to cancel the restraining order. She and Russell meet in the park and hang out on the swings to talk. Brenna apologizes for overreacting and Russell apologizes for apologizes for threatening to take Sally away because that's shitty. They each say they're good parents and then they start to reminisce a little. Russell asks if they can try again and Brenna's like "Mm, I have to go bye but as she's leaving she just turns on she's like just give me time and I was like oh okay maybe I don't hate her but I changed my mind again several times before the end of the movie (laughs) good um Peggy's on the phone in Vegas trying to negotiate with the credit card company and it does not go well um Jim comes home and he doesn't have good news either just putting his guitar down and saying they're a shit band anyway and I'm sorry I don't understand how this all happened. They just moved to Vegas with no jobs and no money. Um, I mean, in real life, no, but okay. sure for the movie. <clears throat> I mean, they're in a nice condo, so they must have had some money, but you didn't like think that maybe we'll need to pay our bills and eat food and live life. Well, they were going to live off of um, all the wild money he made as an exhibitionist. By that, I mean a member of a band that has exhibitionist in it. And that is not a thing. Okay, okay. Um, <sighs> I just wrote, I'm pretty crappy at adulting sometimes, but even I'm not this bad. <laughs> so Russell and Brenna are together and Russell calls and breaks up with Fran while Brenna listens, which is weird. And then he falls to his knees and begs to come home. She tells him to just be patient and they kiss a little. And I wrote, okay, fine. I like them, but I'm going to change my mind again. Don't worry. Um, Jim calls the wife he still has for some weird reason and asks her for money, but she doesn't have any. So after he hangs up, he and Peggy talks about, talk about how Brenna's broke because of stupid Jim and his stupid life insurance. Jim casually brings up that they should take a trip home for Christmas. Um, meanwhile, Brenna calls Russell and invites him to come home for Christmas with him and Sally. So Peggy and Jim are back in Washington and Brenna tells Peggy all about how she canceled the restraining order and invited Russell over for Christmas. So he comes over and brings presents for Sally. Later, um, that evening, he gives Brenna a gift and it's a sex swing. The gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) 
I was just like, oh. <laughs> Jim, meanwhile, is at the shooting range practicing shooting, and he tells the gun store owner that it's for pigeons. Yeah, well. Uh, okay, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go with it. We're just gonna jump on this train together. Like we have a huge pigeon problem, so I'm gonna shoot them with my nine millimeter. Like what? Out the window? I don't get it. Okay. <sighs> Brenna, meanwhile, wakes Russell up the next morning because while she's not into the sex swing, she's apparently into the blueberry condoms he also put in the box. We don't kink shame on this show, so I'm just gonna leave that right there for now. Right. Um, afterward, Russell rushes around getting ready because he has an errand to run. He tells her it's a surprise and he'll be right back. And so we're back to the beginning sequence. And I just wrote, oh, now I get what Russell's doing. Cause at first I was like, what the hell is he doing? When Peggy and Jim got to town, Peggy called Russell and told him she had a secret surprise Christmas present for Brenna and he's going to pick it up. Okay. So yeah, he, um, pulls off the side of the road here comes jim russell rolls down the window and jim shoots him in the head well that that escalated so the police um, did he by chance look like a pigeon or was he wearing a pigeon costume no no um so the police arrive at brenna's house to tell her the news um they're not looking at her too kindly Brenna totally switches tacks for someone who just had sex with this man and hasn't even showered yet. Like, I don't like her again. Oh, good. Um, she calls Russell a deviant and a freak. And I literally just said we don't kink shame lady with a blueberry condom fetish, but you're going to get yours. Um, finally, they break the news that Russell was shot in the head and she just says, oh. And then the phone rings and she says, I should get that. Okay. Like that disconnected? And so the, yeah. And so the cops are like, suspect? Suspect. Yep. Okay. And then they're already cracking open their brewskis because they're like, we, mm -hmm. we solved it. We solved it. Peggy and Jim go back to Vegas because why not? They haven't even put their bags down. And Jim says he's going to go get on a standby flight to Miami. And do you know why you don't have any money? Because that's not how you travel. How do you, you don't how fly do you from Washington. You don't, you don't fly from Washington to Vegas, drive all the way home. And then like, I'm going to go back to the airport and go to Miami. I don't, I don't see what the problem is here, Aaron, but you know, apparently you're the jet setter and I am, you know, more than me. Um, Peggy asks if he's going to come back and he's like, sure. And I was like, Oh girl, that means <laughs> he's straight up. Not <laughs> no. He tells her what they have is special kisses her cheek and then leaves. At the police station, the detectives can't figure out Brenna. And I mean, same, so go off. Like, um, Brenna is interviewing with the life insurance people. They tell her that since she's a person of interest, no money for her right now. They ask her to take a polygraph and she refuses. They offer to set up a trust fund for her daughter with the money, but she says no. And then she pulls out a statement and reads it saying that she was not involved in the murder. And I, I just wrote, what is happening? I don't <laughs> understand this. That's how I'm going to start. I'm going to start going to the bank and like, I did not make an Amazon purchase of $246 and 93 cents. 
So Jim has ghosted Peggy, surprise, surprise, and she is not happy. Over at the police station, the detective gets a call from someone saying he has information, but he's too afraid to talk about, about it, saying the shooter is a friend of his and that he has a girlfriend and all they do is party and they needed money. And then he hangs up and I was like, that's a terrible tip. <laughs> really Crime bad. Stoppers is not paying you at all, sir. Yeah. Um, so, oh crap. So the police call Peggy and ask her some questions about the phone call that she made to Russell before Christmas. Peggy actually pulls it off and the detective crosses her off the list, but guilt is a hell of a drug. So of course she thinks she's the main suspect now. Oh, good. So she calls Jim and, and tells his voicemail to stop being a wuss. And then she chugs a glass of wine. And I was like, you need to chill. Um, Peggy calls Brenna saying it's so awful about Russell. And Brenna's like, yeah, I could have used you when I've been trying to call you for the last like several weeks. But um, she told Peggy tells Brenna she's going to be stronger. and She's going to get through this. And Brenna's like, oh, by the way. I got one of the settlements from the life insurance company and I bought a house, but also it's not your house. My bad. Yikes. <laughs> um, that did not go according to plan at all. So Peggy puts on a necklace and asks herself in the mirror if she wants to go on a trip. And I wrote, no, you don't want to go on a trip. You want to stay home and save money. <laughs> How about a nice staycation? Just download an image of Hawaii so it has your desktop and that, you know, watch it, watch an episode of Bachelor in Paradise. Totally. Back in Florida, Jim is rolling a joint with his wife. His wife is like rolling around on the couch and she's like, ah, since you've been home, I feel high all the time. Um, and I was like, oh, he's not that hot. Like, I don't get it. Um. <laughs> And she's like, I wish you were feeling that way too. And he's like, oh, you know, I have my ups and downs and there's a knock on the door and it's Peggy. And I guess Jean also knew the whole time. I mean, in real life, yes. So Jean and Peggy get into a, like a, the boy is mine fight. And then Jim's like, well, I'm staying with Jean. And so on her way out the door, Peggy's like, oh, by the way, the cops called me, you better watch yourself. So so Peggy has zero chill. Like she's no, got negative not, like, chill. None. So, but neither neither does Jim. So after she leaves, Jean's like, "What the fuck?" And Jim's like, "Oh yeah, um, remember that time I told you I wanted to kill someone? I did it." <laughs> so might have killed somebody. No big deal. I just wrote, "Who are these people?" <laughs> The mystery caller calls again. Um, he was the friend with Jim at the funeral from the very first scene. He tells them, quote unquote, the shooter is going to fly to Vegas to see his girlfriend, Peggy. The police start to put everything together. And finally, the caller gives them Jim's name. And he identifies himself as Neil, Jim's best friend. So Jim's going to fly to Vegas, I guess. He and Jean talks before he talk before he leaves. And she's like, you know... That was so much to take in, but I just feel closer to you now. And I understand why you did it. You slayed your demons. Okay. Okay. And they kiss. So 
He tells her he's going to Vegas, but they're interrupted by a knock on the door. It's not Peggy this time. It's the police. Over in Vegas, Peggy gets a knock on her door as well, and it's the other detective. So they're now completely fucked. Um, Jim tells the detective that he's never owned a gun, so it couldn't have been him. Jim immediately throws Peggy under the bus. Peggy is a little bit better at this than Jim, which is crazy since she's not even the one that wanted to kill someone in the first place. <laughs> um, but Peggy also calls the lady detective sugar. And later the detective is like, she's so smug. I just wanted to smack her. And I was like, same. <laughs> You're not alone. So the news reports Peggy and Jim as official persons of interest. And we hear this go out on the radio and some guy putting two and two together in his head, but I don't know who he is. And I won't ever know. (laughs) That's the worst. Detective sugar comes back to Peggy's with a search warrant. Who's the smug one now, bitch. (laughs) So Peggy calls Jim and rips him a new asshole for being so colossally stupid, which is well-deserved, but I feel like should have come when he was like, I've always wanted to kill someone and not when he didn't properly dispose of the murder weapon. So she calls him and she's like, I'm not going to prison for this. Um, So now Jim's going on the lam with all his cash and a bunch of Oxycontin. Gene tells him not to kill himself and he takes off into the woods and we cut to eight months later. The police still have nothing. They cannot find Jim and we cut to Peggy's wedding. Why not? Peggy gets married. Her sister is there, but is definitely not impressed with her at all. Unfortunately, the marriage doesn't work out, but Peggy comes out with a lot of money. So good for her, I guess. Brenna is unfortunately not so lucky. Her house gets foreclosed upon because the other insurance policy doesn't pay out. And I don't like, do none of these people have jobs? Get a job and pay your bills. I'm so confused. Right. Um, the detective heads back down to Florida where Jean is nose deep in a pile of cocaine. Um, that's not a great place for the cops to find you. Yeah, She's no. in a world of legal trouble, but I'm not quite sure why, because this movie didn't spend enough time on her character or the relationship with her husband. Um, but Jean's finally had enough, so she spills that Jim's in Mexico teaching guitar, and they call him Maestro Jim. No. I was like, that's the detail we needed? So Jim gets arrested, and so does Peggy. Peggy throws a fit, screaming that she didn't do anything wrong. We cut directly to the trial. Brenna testifies that she told Peggy that Russell was abusive. Neil testifies about the Jim stepfather story and how he wanted to kill someone because of it. Jim's found guilty and sentenced to 80 years in prison. Peggy is at her sister's house freaking out about it and what it all means because, of course, this is all about her. At Peggy's trial, Jim actually refuses to testify against her. Um... And her sister keeps asking like about other people that will testify and she like strikes them all down and and I get real worried about Janice. Yeah. Um, It turns out that worry is justified because later Janice calls the detective and cries about how she can't eat or sleep and her hair is falling out, etc. She wonders how people can be so cruel and she tells the story of the time Jim offered to kill her ex-husband. The detective tells her to get some sleep. And she's like, yes, I just need to sleep. And then she hangs up the phone and hangs herself. Oh, no. 
I was like, Jesus, like, oh my God. Um, she had apparently given a sworn statement against her sister before she died. So Peggy goes to court and tries to get the trial delayed so she can quote unquote tie up loose ends, which was really poor choice of words. Yeah. She tells the judge she needs to raise money to fight the charges against her and she has to take care of her house and her garden so she doesn't violate the HOA rules and she needs to go to the dentist and winterize her houseboat and retrieve documents for her defense and get winter clothing and also get her car. And the judge is like, no. <laughs> so instead she goes and gets her eyebrows done. Like you do. Right, why not? She's decided she's going to plead out. She gets four years in prison. Um, as they're leading her out, she's approached by the reporter again who asks her what, why she did it. And she says, quote, what makes you so sure I did? Um, then her voiceover goes on about how she's avoiding the unfair trial and excessive prison sentence. The police never connected Brenna to the murder, so she was never charged. Peggy keeps bitching about how she was sentenced to four years in prison for falling in love with the wrong guy while Brenna got to start all over and change her name. At least there's still hope for Sally and Peggy's life is just a tabloid story now, even though she did nothing wrong. The end. Great. Um, that movie. Was what I loved is they in the movie with her voiceover saying, you know, my, my life is just a tabloid story. Like I didn't even... I didn't do anything wrong. And then like it ends with her breaking the fourth wall. Right. And she looks into the camera and she says, did I? Uh-uh. And that's how it ends. Nuh-uh. Hold on. My mic so, is falling I mean, apart. I mean, you can keep talking. Hold on. Oh, so but I mean, I'm like, holding on. All right. Sorry. My mic just like fell off. The boom fell off the, the uh, table. Or the What's this called? Desk. That's the word. Oh man. Yeah, no, that that sounds just as messed up as all the research that I did. Um so I find it also interesting that the case itself was not really followed by anyone. All of the media outlets followed No, I've never heard of this case ever. And so, like, every twist and turn, I was like, wait, what's happening? What? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Because this woman just got released from prison in 2016. It's not, like, an old, old case. Right. Um, well, and, but every media outlet followed Peggy Sue Thomas. Like, not, they didn't, they don't follow Brenna, the, the widow. They don't follow, they hardly talk about the victim. Um. I hate that. So um, I got a lot of information from the Seattle Weekly. Of course, there is the um, the book by Anne Rule that this movie was inspired by. Um, there's information all over. Um, I pieced this together as best as I could. Um, it was hard writing it down in any type of narrative form because there are twists and turns and like backing up in the right places. And yeah. So we're just going to do the best with what we've got tonight. Let's do it. So, um, 
So during the interview portion of the 2000 Miss United States Continental Pageant in Las Vegas. She's beauty and she's grace. She's Miss United States. Yes. Um, the redheaded Miss Washington, Peggy Sue Thomas of Whidbey Island, wanted judges to know that she was a trailblazer, is how Seattle Weekly started the article about her. Um, women, she said, um, have to know it's okay to do things out of the, out of the norm. Um, and she actually, so none of the reporting or like reporters covered this, like buried this a lot, but she really did do things that were considered out of the norm for, especially for like a woman who would go on to be a beauty queen. But um, out of high school, she went on to be a mechanic in the air force and um, was a mechanic during operation desert storm. And like, that's like cool yeah and so they bury that stuff and they're like she was a beauty queen she was miss washington she was miss washington um so like great let's let's talk about the other things like yes getting a state title is hard being a mechanic in the air force is also hard and impressive also you know like Mm -hmm. um so she um sorry so um she said that she felt in this interview she said that it, she felt it was important that women set an example for their children um and she said she was this a single mother of two um she said the greatest ethical challenge women were facing today was quote raising children with morals even with all the violence sex and drugs in the media um which seems like it would be a very um foreshadowing statement for the rest of her story unfortunately um so um so as i said after high school she attended beauty beauty school um oh sorry she was in the navy not the air force but still she's a mechanic in the navy um just as impressive right um she coached a girls basketball team um and then she worked in an auto repair shop and then she eventually hired on as a limo driver in las vegas um and even later in life helped to run a horse ranch um, in Vegas, she was such a successful limo driver, um, that she actually could afford a Lexus and lived in a gated community in a nice suburb in Vegas. Um, her Lexus had a vanity plate that read fiery red because she had fiery red hair and. Okay. So the vanity plate is in the movie. Is it really? Yes. As is the fact that she lives in a gated community because she, when she is talking to the judge about extending the uh, trial so she can tie up loose ends, she mentions that the HOA in her gated community in Nevada is like very particular about her yard. That's funny. Um, so, um, I love how they put like little, like, uh huh, Easter eggs kind of. So she, um, throughout her life, she married and divorced several husbands. One left her bankrupt. Another whose horse won the Kentucky Derby made her a millionaire. Um, so she just kind of went through it all. 
So I need um, to find a husband who has a horse. I have horses and I did not bring Sarah a single million. So find mm-hmm. find a promising racehorse career, sure. Uh, or racehorse owner, rather. Um, so she also endured a lot of tragedy in her life. And I don't know if the movie hit on this, but um, like her father's wife was murdered. Her stepbrother yeah. was murdered. Um, one of her siblings died very young. And then one of her stepsisters took her own life. So there was a lot of loss and hurt in her life as well. Um, that's, that's horrible. But also like, I'm going to go on and say like, people have terrible things happen to them and they don't grow up to be narcissistic murderers. Absolutely. Um, so on Halloween of whatever year I wrote this on, like whatever year this was from, I didn't actually put the year and I meant to go back. Halloween of this year, she walked into the courtroom. (laughs) Man, I was really good at these notes, apparently. Hold on, say something. Hello? Okay. Um, my ear started buzzing and I didn't know if it was my, um, headphone dying or what. Anyway. So, um, the, um, so at 46 years old, she had to stand trial for, um, the murder of the then 32 year old man named Russell Davis, who'd been shot once in the head while strapped into his car seat. Um, so Russell Douglas, uh uh-huh strapped into his car seat his car's seat not like a child's car seat okay you said strapped into his car seat and i went to like him in a car seat and now (laughs) i have a really weird mental picture and you know how vivid i dream and you know what i feel like that's really gonna haunt me later and i'm really upset about it you're welcome um so russell douglas was um was killed on a dead-end road above mutiny bay the day after christmas in 2003 um one of let's see it was done in like a noticeably cold-blooded manner um it was noted by one of the residents in the area um i feel like all murder is like right cold-blooded one of one of them said quote i had the urge to put a sign out um, that said good parents don't let their kids get away with murder. Um, they wanted to put that in front of Peggy Sue's parents' house. And I'm like, don't it's harass her parents. parents yeah, I don't like that. Um, so in the eight years on either side of that murder, there were a total of three murders. Um, so murder was very, very rare for this community. Um, and so that's one of the reasons that it was kind of so gripping for this area. Um, and then also there's this kind of international element of this case, um, which leads from Whidbey Island, which is in, uh, Washington state to, um, hold on down to florida and then south of the border um and vegas yep of course you gotta get to vegas um vegas baby there was an accused gunman and fugitive named james hudden hudden hudan hudan hudat 
Uh, James, Jimmy. Ooh, let's just call him Houdat. All right, James Houdat, um, who was 58 um, and was Peggy Sue's boyfriend. He was arrested um, while hiding out. How old is she? She was 46 at the time that he was arrested. So he was 12 years older than her. And this guy was in his 30s that they killed? So they weren't arrested until like 10 years after the murder. Okay. Like a fair amount of time had passed. So when this all ha- happened, they were all in their 30s, except for Jim, who was right. in his 40s. Yes. It's so weird because the movie, and maybe this is true, but the movie paints him as like a guy that she had a crush on, like in school and like never paid attention to her. It's very possible. I don't remember that detail. Like, but 12 years older than you, you were like a first grader, like, mm, I'm in love with that senior. He's so hot. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he was arrested in Mexico um, where he had been posing as a guitar instructor, in fact, named Maestro Jim. Um, that is the weirdest detail that also just sounds so fake. And the fact uh, that it's real brings me a <laughs> lot of joy. A, a witness lot. from New Mexico had supplied the murder weapon while Hudat's wife in Florida, who was busted earlier that year and so this is what i was telling you before we started recording that the media also tried to like ruin her credibility and all of this um so his wife jean was busted earlier that year on more than 20 counts of drug theft and forgery charges um and so she was the star witness in the case Um, did they actually find her like face down in a pile of cocaine because that's how they (laughs) found her in the movie and i was there for it i was like you know what i get that she not to my knowledge but like listen too tired to snort your cocaine before you fall asleep (laughs) so she uh she brokered a plea deal in florida that brought the case against her husband back to life, agreeing to tell authorities where he was hiding and claiming that both he and Peggy had confessed to killing, like had confessed the killing to her, which I don't know why the, the mistress would confess to her, but like, you know what, let's go on this. But also like this relationship was like several different levels of fucked up. And so I don't disbelieve it. Right. But it's not like official polyamory because like no, they just knew about like I, I don't get it. I because I was like, oh, he's cheating on his wife, who is just like the most gullible person on earth. But then no, like he comes home and he's like, Yeah, I was with that girl, and she's like, Cool. Right. It's like they're swingers, but not because uh-huh. it's not like she wanted him to be with her she just didn't care right i'm so confused so one investigator labeled douglas's death a murder for hire case um and he pointed initially to the widow of the victim brenna douglas um prosecutors wavered in their original claims that she may be may have been involved um in what they call like that she may have been involved in a contract shooting to collect um, $500,000 in life insurance policies. They never charged her. And of course she denied the claims. She had a, a letter in her pocket that said, I didn't do it. It's like, <laughs> I, Brenna, categorically deny that I was involved in this crime. And then, I mean, no, literally in the movie, she slides it across. She's like, there. 
That's your copy. That's verbatim what happened. <laughs> I mean, for real, like that was the wording. I categorically no. deny that I had any involvement in this crime. No, the best part is when she slides the paper copy <laughs> and she goes, that's your copy. <laughs> I was like, that's petty and I like it. Like, <laughs> I, I choose to believe it was notarized. And by notarized, I mean, she just had like a dog chomp down on it once and then she signed it. No, she just like signed it and was like, um, I, Brenna, actually notarized this document myself because I'm that <laughs> smart. Thank you. Bye. Um, so of course, not that there was any like, more strange twist needed in this case. Um, no. but a- after um, Peggy C was arrested that July on the first degree murder charge and extradited to Nevada, the Island County court dropped her $5 million bail to $500,000, sure. which she easily made. And so then they put like a GPS tracking device on her and, um, then the the judge allowed did she really her to, go get her eyebrows done no the judge allowed her to take it off and take the 3500 mile road trip back home to vegas no sorry to um idaho to a family funeral and Was then it her she, sister who died by suicide yes and then oh, she worked on a houseboat in new mexico and then she went home to Vegas where she saw her dentist and shopped for winter clothes and winterized her house. Like that was actually allowed. So we're like, it was denied in the movie. That was actually allowed. Well, he did give her the ankle monitor, but all she did was go get her eyebrows done. No, a fill-in judge let her take it off Lindsay Lohan style. Y'all, I, I mean, I guess if you want to commit crime, go to would be island they just they don't care um in fact when the prosecutor heard about this they're like sir i need to like let my dog out he's (laughs) alone (laughs) he's in alaska Mm, bye Um, i i have to go like he probably really has to be right now so um so the prosecutor the prosecutor on this case the official statement made to the media was quote we're sure hoping that she comes back (laughs) can you imagine yeah oh well in the in the movie like there's a whole scene where the prosecutor's like we consider her a flight risk and she's like oh judge do i i'm just an innocent little girl do I look like a flight risk to you I don't know why I suddenly have a southern accent but I do <laughs> even though I'm from Washington so weird do, do I look like a flight risk to you <laughs> and this one article used like 48 different uh, um ways to describe that she's red-haired and so they're like they're like the cinnamon maned defendant was how they put it in one of them. Like, <laughs> like chill Y'all, out. We have to start stop using like romance novel descriptors in true crime stories. Right. We just gotta. Um, but also, her red hair in this movie was bomb. Love it. it. Mm-hmm. Um. So. And I also love like um, 
I mean, she's not like a big woman, but she was not like a textbook size two woman. And I appreciate right. that. Yeah. Yeah. I like they didn't cast, you know, you know how Lifetime like takes like the most like in the preachers, whatever. It was two like super old people and they cast like these super young, hot people. They did not for the most part do that. I mean, right. not saying those people aren't attractive. They just weren't like textbook you know, sample size people. And I appreciated that. So at this point in her life, she had been, um, so I read so many articles. I don't remember if I have all this information here, but I mentioned that she was a limo driver in Vegas. Um, Mm -hmm. so she kind of got stability for herself and her life in Vegas, um, limo driving. She was personable. She was charming. She was beautiful. And she got lots of tips that way. Um, she said that she racked up thousands of dollars in tips a week in the limo. And so that's how she afforded this uh, nice lifestyle for herself. And it's what led her to, um, to meet some rich and powerful people. One of those being Mark Allen. Um, Mark was um, the heir to an Alaska oil fortune. Um, his father was the executive, the chief executive of Veco Corp, which was a pipeline service and construction company. Um, mm-hmm. He was also the man at the center of the Alaska corruption scandal several years ago. Um, oh, great. Yeah. So, um, in fact, he, a series of trials and hearings featuring testimony from Bill ended the political careers of several Alaska politicians, including U.S. Senator Ted Stevens, who was the longest serving Republican senator in U.S. history. Um, so he was like the good side of the man at the center of this thing. So there's another senator whose name is Ted that we also need to end his career. Hey, Bill, are you listening? Just give us some hints. Um, Resign, you motherfucker. Okay, sorry. I hate that guy. So Bill, who agreed to, Bill agreed to make a plea deal in return for his testimony. Um, He, so he, I mean, he was a bad guy, but he ended some really shitty people's careers too. So I'm going to say an anti-hero. That's what I'm, I'm just going to say, you know what? Bad guys know bad guys. And sometimes they cancel each other out. So. Exactly. Um, he also made them promise, made the feds promise that they wouldn't prosecute Mark for any wrongdoing. Um, so he accused Stevens of accepting favors from him. So Stevens was convicted and lost his 2008 reelection. Although the, the verdict was later reversed, but he never got his place back in um, Senate in the Senate. Um, what a shame, right? So Mark Allen anyway, recalls that he, it was love at first sight when he saw Peggy Sue Thomas after she picked him up in Las Vegas, she was his chauffeur. She was dispatched to fairy love at first sight. Cause you'd been taking shots of fireball all night. Um, obviously. So she was hired to, to she was hired to drive Miss Daisy around the strip. <coughs> Can we just call him Miss Daisy now? Yes. Um, he said she caught my eye. She drove me and some friends around a few times. And after that, I started calling the company and asking for Peggy. 
so that led to a few dates and four months later marriage and it wasn't long after that that um peggy began to claim complain about the way he ran his ranch the double eagle in roswell new mexico um i quote i paid a lot of unpaid bills ranch for her. In roswell right that's where he kept his are uh, his you afraid your horses, horses are gonna get abducted, abducted right is that why your horse won the kentucky derbies because it was <laughs> they experimented on it it's an alien horse I have Quote, uncovered this, the, the TV scandal of the century. <laughs> Quote, I paid a lot of unpaid bills for her before we even got married, credit cards and stuff like that. But hell, I liked her. Then she started telling me how to take care of my horses. You liked her? You I, married her because you liked her? Oh my God. Like if I ever marry someone and they're like, oh, I liked her like divorce it, it reminds me of a wedding that i got hired to play in college first of all it was on april 1st so that's already terrifying oh, and the um efficient said you know do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband and she said sure i mean why not i mean i guess and i was like i better fucking be getting paid for this thing like I don't care if this is an April Fool joke, but my check better be real. I don't know if those people are still married. I would be surprised. My very early years in college, like very early years in college, like freshman year in college, I had friends that got married. And the wedding was super tacky, like super tacky. Um, but the groom got up and sobbed. And not like, I'm so happy. Here's my one glistening tear. Oh, no, no, he sobbed. And I remember like my friend who, my friend was a bridesmaid. I wasn't, I was just there. And I was like, oh my God. If, first of all, they registered for shit like paintball guns and stuff, which was a red flag. But uh -huh. um, also my friend and I afterward, she was like, if I ever come around, like, a corner like to walk down to my husband and he is sobbing like that like he is the saddest person on earth i'm just gonna leave <laughs> yeah yeah 100 also they got divorced yeah um the other thing i remember from this wedding is my friend victoria was the bridesmaid um and her friend demanded that she wear a like a chocolate brown bridesmaid no dress. okay so one of the bridesmaids wore a bright pink dress one wore a teal dress and one wore a bright green dress um victoria's skin was chocolate brown does she look sneaky yeah huh <laughs> oh, she looked like she was standing up there she looked like she was part of jim brown and the exhibitionists standing up there at this wedding there was zebra print at the wedding that i'm referring to yeah <laughs> see this tells me exactly where in their relationship they got married and like what part of college because mm -hmm. if they had waited three years she would have had 67 bridesmaids yeah i'm telling you freshman year it was freshman year uh -huh. it was 2003 or 2002 like zebra print was like everywhere uh -huh. yeah and so it was like all the bright color yeah no i mean it, it's a perfect early 2000s like snapshot I love that so much. Really bad. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Also, one time she told me that when I was pregnant that my ass was getting too big. And so I don't feel bad telling this story on this podcast. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> so then after he said, I liked her, but then she started telling me how to take care of my horses. Um, he said his marriage was falling apart after only a few months. Quote, first she had her mom move in. They were a package deal. Then Peggy wanted all of her people to take over my people, whoever her people were. That wasn't going to happen. Um, she had no ranching experience and then he says quote hell she didn't even know which end of the horse to hang a bridle on oh that's the front end of the horse um they began to argue and he says they began to physically mix it up which i think is him trying to come up with a euphemism for i beat her but he wanted it to is it um, or is it like we were swinging I don't know. No. So quote, one night she pulled my shirt off me, scratched me up real good and tried to goad me into hitting her, but I don't hit women. I got a restraining order and got her off the ranch though. Her mom was still there. Then I had to get the police to come escort the mom off the property. So, um, I mean, it could be a swinging situation. I mean, yeah, does, you know, I don't know these things as I told you in our Patreon, Sarah tried to palpate me once and it didn't go very well. So I haven't had sex in 84 years. So cheers. <laughs> um so obviously in less than a year the marriage was failing. By then the Allen family had sold their um oil company um and he received 30 million dollars as his cut. Um, and so with his, with the so money, from many the, dollars, right. You know what though? That's only 6 million more dollars than Katy Perry makes per season of American Idol. That doesn't make me feel better because it's no. like, it, it, it's literally like 29,999,000 more than I, than I have in my bank right now. Right. Also, like, Katie, I know you're listening. Just throw one mil at me. Do you know it would change my life? I would pay off. We'll make Sarah's you a special school. Patreon level. Uh, it's $2 million, one for each of us. Yeah, 100%. Um, it'll be the Katie tier. Um, mm -hmm. Every week, just for you, I will cover my favorite Katy Perry songs. And um, every week, just for you, I'll stop him from covering his favorite <laughs> Um, so it's just going to be um, the first. It's just going to be us four fighting. <laughs> it's the first four measures of firework until I can get through the whole song, um, and then we'll move on to something else. Um, all right. Anyway, please so, give us money. <laughs> We're his, so poor. With his money, he invested in um, expanding his thoroughbred stable. Um, he notably purchased a gelding named Mind That Bird in 2008. Um, Why do horses have weird names? So I don't know about racehorses, but like my show horses have names because it shows their lineage. It shows like, usually it shows their father and their mother's side. Um, and so like you try to fit in both sides. Now my horse's name, what a decision doesn't show any of that because she is um, double-breaded Zippo. And so it's hard to fit that in, but like, um, 
my little brother's horses, Corey got skipped because he's from the skip line and the zippo line. Um, but you know what I'd like uh, right now? A double breaded cheese stick. Yes. Sounds really good, right? I realized that you weren't actually asking for the scientific explanation about I mean, I kind of was I'm I'm very curious, but also we should probably tell this story so the people don't unsubscribe right um so anyway that was the horse that won the kentucky derby um it was a double-breaded chicken mind that bird mind that bird yes double-breaded chicken wing Um, super close the the, um the alien gelding um it was a 50 to one long shot it came from dead last to take the kentucky derby yeah do you know how much money oh my god i know Uh things about racing oh my god yeah so much money so in fact my brain he is you know how some people follow i mean obviously you do because you're from texas but some people follow like football teams and the super bowl and all that the the derby is what i follow and it's like the triple crown um I need to introduce you to my friend Amanda who also follows that like super closely. In the past in the past like 20 years there have been three winners I haven't called of the Kentucky Derby and he's one of them. And so I was like real pissed about him because he came from last place and overtook it and there was no indication that he was going to. You can just be pissed then. Right? I mean I never bet on them because the year that I bet would be the, the year, year that I yeah. would absolutely like fail miserably. Um, totally. I get that. So that was in 2008 and 2009, rather in 2010, they filed for divorce. She walked away with roughly a million dollars, including $700,000 in cash and a houseboat on a New Mexico Lake, which she named <laughs> off the hook. no so um no so reporters asked him because this happened like he she married him after the murder they asked him if he'd ever heard anything about this and he said quote she told me something about that once about police coming and talking to her she said they were mistaken i said why didn't you just take a lie detector and clear yourself she told me her attorney said not to that never really made sense to me if she was innocent also i wouldn't take a lie detector test um because they're inadmissible in court so like there's no point uh yeah i have never committed a murder or any other type of serious crime and i would never take a lie detector test ever right so all of this was to kind of set up the character that was set up of of peggy sue because other accounts set her up as this kind of sweet demure demure friend of brenna's um and so as i mentioned russell douglas um was found in his yellow Chevrolet tracker. Um, that face, yes. Um, by a man walking his dog two days after Christmas in 2003. Um, mm-hmm. A coroner determined he'd been shot in the head the day before around 1 p.m. A 380 caliber shell casing was found inside the car. Um, the 32 year old Douglas was estranged from his wife, Brenna and two children who lived in Whidbey. 
he had recently taken an apartment in Renton and worked for Tetra Tech, an environmental engineering and consulting firm, where nine months earlier, he'd taken out a $200,000 life insurance policy, court records show. His wife told investigators that Douglas had come to visit his family over Christmas and that she'd last seen him on the 26th when he left her on errands. Officers okay. searched the yellow SUV, but they didn't find any trace of a gun. Um, the detectives said they felt frustrated at first because they couldn't find any motive for the shooting. Um, and that was four months later is when Peggy Thomas's name popped up on the sheriff's radar. Um, they were going through his cell phone records and found um, a list of, let's see, and found her number three days before Douglas's death uh, on the, his list of incoming and outgoing calls. Okay. So um, that he tracked her down. They chatted by phone and he said, quote, she told me that she was a limousine driver in Las Vegas. She said that she was a friend with both Russell Douglas and his wife, Brenna Douglas. She explained that she'd been in the Whidbey Island area visiting family. She said she'd called Russell on December 23rd at around 9 p.m. at his apartment in Renton, Washington, and gave him a present to give to Brenna. Um, Thomas, investigators came to learn, was born and raised on Whidbey Island, but had graduated elsewhere because the family had moved north. Um, and then I reiterated her horrible past. See, I told you my notes just got really confusing because it was hard to track the story down. Um, so because she had her um, her beauty school training is what they called it. Um, I don't know if it was beauty school, if that was different than cosmetology, than like a cosmetology license. I don't know how mm -hmm. all that works. Um, so I don't want it to sound like I am demeaning any type of employment, but she did frequent Brenna's um, salon from what I had gathered. And it was okay. during this time that Brenna said that um, Brenna started to talk about her um, abusive husband. Okay, so I, we had some technical difficulties because that's who we are. Um, so I was talking about how every week <laughs> how Brenna and um, Peggy had talked about how um, Brenna said that her husband was abusive and um, Peggy commiserated with that I suppose or or sympathized or whatever and she took that information to her um long-term fling this is between um between relationships before she married the millionaire um she was with this man who we mentioned earlier Jim Hudat James Hudat um and James had a James had a very interesting story in that he had been a software developer and um, he in fact developed a piece of software that had been bought by um, by Microsoft and had a hefty payout. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, one report reported that it was multiple million dollars. Gene, his wife, said that it was 
a million dollars, but in either case, it was way more money than I have seen in one place at one time. So, um, the, the thing is that, um, that James just wanted to always have his cake to look at and eat too. Sure. Um, so he didn't end this marriage with Jean, who was also his business partner. He had this relationship going with Peggy Sue and for a while, neither knew about each other, but just like in the movie, they did at some point over the course of this long-term relationship, find out about each other and then didn't do anything about it. And then at some point did do something about it. And like in one of the, like there was a dateline or one of those kind of shows um, mm-hmm. that I was reading the transcript for where Peggy talks about showing up at Jean's house and they just like sat down and had it out. And then, um, I I don't know. No, none of it ever makes sense. Aaron, what I'm telling you is nothing I found ever makes sense. So, so police try to track down Peggy and her involvement in this and they just can't ever figure out like why she would really be involved. Um, so finally, well, neither can I, like, I don't get it. Okay. So finally in, on July 26, 2004, a retired air force veteran named Bill Hill calls the, which sounds made up, <laughs> calls the Island County Sheriff's office with I almost spit take. I saw that. Um, it was really close and I'd have been mad cause I'm almost out of wine. So, <laughs> um, he says he's got information on a Whidbey Island musician named Jim Hudat Hill, who is a film, a friend of Hudat's, um, said that Hudat told him a secret that in good conscience, Hill couldn't keep any longer. In February, Hudat had confined in him that while visiting Whidbey Island over Christmas in 2003, he'd shot a man in the head. The gun oh, was a... Th- don't ever tell your friend this if no you know what i shouldn't be teaching people how to be better criminals you know what tell your friend tell your friend it's fine the gun he said was a 380 caliber um hudat had looked for the ejected shell after he shot the man but he couldn't find it um another thing hudan was married and was having an affair with a woman named peggy i love how you just turned totally changed his name to hudan which sounds like boudan and i haven't eaten dinner so i'm starving sorry and now i just want boudan you're welcome um Mm. was having a an affair with a woman named peggy who lived in las vegas um and hill said he'd met her once that he and hudan had gone to vegas together Um, and that he'd got been introduced to Peggy. He Mm -hmm. said, as he understood it, she had once worked at a beauty salon owned by Brenna Douglas, the victim's wife. Um, and that Hudat had told him that he and, uh, Peggy had lured Russell to a deadly, um, or to his death by claiming that they had a surprise Christmas present for him to deliver to Brenna. Um, which like, why you're you're right. It's not our place to tell criminals how to do their jobs. No, but also like, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but do better. Just, just do better. Just do uh, better. And then Hooden said 
Oh, and then Hill said that Hooten might run for it. He was getting antsy and had re recently said that would-be investigators were nosing around, that they'd called um, Peggy about a cell phone number in May. Um, Hooten said, oh, sorry, Hill said that Hooten complained that he couldn't remember what he was supposed to offer as his alibi, and he needed to go talk to Peggy about it. Um Dude, you have like one job. Right. So And that after after the No, no, we should not be giving tips. <laughs> A week you after Hill's forget call. your alibi. It's fine. It's not important. It's not important at all. A week after Hill's call, four detectives left uh Whitten Island, Woodby Island, sorry. Um, two into Florida and two to Nevada. Um, Hooten allowed the investigators into his home. Uh, he was working as a computer programmer and a professional guitarist. He was known to always have a crown royal in one hand and a Swisher Sweets little cherry cigar in another. Ew! <laughs> um, Look, I am on board with the crown royal, but you can take that Swisher Sweet and like yeet it yes um, you know I, I can't stop using the word yeet i saw a tiktok video um it was a guy from texas and he was like praying after the storm and he said like these um you know we were made for heat not for sleet or i'm gonna yeet myself right out of texas <laughs> and now i can't stop saying yeet so i'm sorry it happens. I'll forgive you this time and only this time. But um, heat, but we were made for heat and not sleet, or I'm going to yeet myself into another state was pretty fucking funny. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, so he'd lived on Whidbey for 20 years. That's where he'd met um, Peggy. Then he moved sure. south in the 80s where he ran a computer business in florida with his wife jean and at night he played guitar for a smooth jazz band called buck naked and the exhibitionists <laughs> there it is <laughs> it's even worse than i originally told you welcome to all things considered i'm paul and tonight we are here with with james hudat from buck naked and the exhibitionists and tonight we would just like to ask you one question what like, makes I'm also you getting like very like <laughs> i'm sarah in this <laughs> so um buck so um who didn't then like I don't know what this was in reference to, but this is like straight from the Seattle Weekly. So Seattle Weekly gave that information and then said, quote, Hooden said he had shacked up with Thomas for a few months in Vegas and that they had traveled to Whidbey for the Christmas holiday, but they didn't kill anyone, he asserted. They stayed at the vacation home of a friend and left the island by December 23rd, Hooden said, then stayed at a SeaTac motel until the day after christmas but i'm not sure if like he said that to bill hill or to the cops when they walked in like or to question. his swisher suite yes 
if they went to Whidbey Island for Christmas, why did they leave the day before Christmas Eve? Why not? Okay, Aaron, not everyone can celebrate Christmas on Christmas. Some people have to celebrate it early because um, because sometimes because of daylight savings for some people, we have to because of leap year. Because you have to shoot your friend's husband in the face and right. then leave. As as for Russell, scheduling well, yes. conflicts. God. Okay, so this was in this is in his interview because then it continues. As for Russell, well, yes, he did know him. He he said he dropped off a Christmas present um, at his apartment in Renton on the twenty third en route to the SeaTac. It was the first and last time they'd met. Um, so then. The other detectives were basically at the same time hitting um, Peggy Sue with the same interview, and that way their stories would not match. Yeah, match. Um, and so her story said she said yes, she knew Brenna Douglas, um, that she had worked at the uh, at Douglas's Langley Beauty Shop. At the time, she was all. She also owned the home that Brenna was living in. Brenna and Russell had rented the house in February 2003, not long before they separated, and he moved to Renton. Um, and then she said Houdin had been living with her around Christmas time, and they traveled to Whidbey, but she flew up to Seattle, and Houdin drove her Lexus there. They spent until December 23rd on the island, then stayed the next three nights at the SeaTac Marriott. So um, Juniper would like to voice her displeasure with it, with this story. I I don't know why. I think what she would just like problem? to voice her displeasure in general. Yeah, probably. What's wrong with you? She has issues. It's okay. So their stories started out similar, but not the same. And then like take a very different turn. Um, so on the 23rd, she says that she and old Jimmy drive to Renton together and give Russell the present for Brenna, that they're on the island the day that Russell was murdered. She said they'd driven all the way back to the island to drop off the house keys. Um, and that while they were at the vacation home again, she did some laundry and made the beds. So, um, and then during that time, Houdin took off for about half an hour and returned with cigarettes, and then they left for Vegas. Okay. It seems like the police really have no evidence that they were all ever really together. Right. But they keep saying oh yeah we totally saw him and then i did some shady shit my boyfriend did some shady shit we saw him again like we met up in the middle of the road it was all totally cool everyone did shady shit and then and then we went back to vegas because that is not at all weird or you know uh suspicious right exactly Great. um okay so this story just keeps you know warm. sometimes i think i could never get away with murder and sometimes i'm like you know right maybe i could so this story just keeps getting more and more convoluted so nice oh no it's Excuse so nice me. that i don't actually want to murder someone because like right? also i don't like to get dirty Ugh. So, so much work 
so then police assert that Brenna is in on this, that um, she's trying to collect $500,000 in life insurance, um, but she's denied all of this initially because she no. is a person of interest in the case. No. Um, she... She makes a statement, quote, I am in no way responsible for the death of my husband. I had no involvement in the murder and cannot possibly, and there cannot possibly be a scintilla of evidence that proves otherwise because none exists. A scintilla? That's yes. quite a word. Okay. Um, and then she... I'm just trying to get through the end of this. So okay. they never essentially finally Houdin runs away to Mexico. It's like you do when you're innocent. Right. And Thomas just keeps living her life in Vegas. And then she um she uh marries that millionaire and then they have that falling out. And he agrees to give testimony against her when she's arrested. But what ultimately happens is Jean gets pissed off at the whole situation and calls the police and says, my husband and his mistress confessed to me that they committed a murder and I'm ready to talk about it. And so police take her in and take her testimony. And this is what, this is what happens when you're not really as cool with your husband cheating on you and his girlfriend knowing about you and this situation being totally random and cool and not at all problematic. That's right. Right. Eventually somebody gets arrested for murder. So <laughs> then, um, so Jean gives her statement and for whatever reason, this testimony along with the evidence they already have is enough to issue a warrant for the arrests of both Peggy and um, James um, sure. But they have trouble finding James. They locate him in Mexico. Um, so now he's got these charges for fleeing the country. You know, that's all stacked up against him. Also, there's no doubt that he pulled the trigger um, and that she is an accessory. Um, so she is offered a plea deal, which she eventually takes so that she only gets like four years Um yeah. He is ultimately sentenced to 80 years in prison. It takes them, um, it takes the jury like less than four hours to come to a verdict on him. Um, yeah. So, uh, but then like Jean is the star witness in all this. And as I mentioned at the top, she has fallen into hard times and has some fraudulent check charges and some drug charges and some uh, theft charges. And so then the media is like dragging her through the mud too. And they, the defense is trying to um, negate all of her claims. So there's like, at no point do we ever find out or figure out who actually committed this crime or why. Um, the James said at some point, or it was reported by several people, um, Hillbill, Jill Still, and um, Peggy Sue and Jean all have similar stories that um, old Jimmy said that his father was abusive, so he was going to take out an abusive man to get back at his father. Like, that was a, a running theme, at least. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, if, if he said this thing to you, 
why didn't you call a professional? It's a, okay. It depends, right? Because sometimes you say things like in a different context, I feel like. I guess, but like if, if you're a man who traipses around the country with zero dollars and jet sets like this and clearly all other signs point to there's enough instability that I would be worried like I might just mention it to a doctor one day or right, somebody but they're also friends with this person so I feel like they're not in a good place to say whether or not he's stable maybe you're right I am from a from a distance and I do have more information and I you know and- I feel like sometimes we do have enough information to say whether our friends are stable but sometimes we don't right i don't know it's this is the worst it's very complicated also all these people none of these people come out looking good in this story no one even like even the widow doesn't look good in this story like so she tries to take the insurance companies to court because they won't pay her because they were separated and about to be divorced so they Mm -hmm. will only pay out the children as the beneficiaries but then when she finally gets the money, she buys a house instead of setting money aside for the kids. And she's like, well, I'll lose the house. Right. Like it just, it's the whole thing is a nightmare. Like everyone comes out of this story looking like an asshole. Every single person. The kids are the only good people in this and they don't even get like a a sub line in any of this information. And because this woman, because Peggy Sue was a beauty queen because she was beautiful because she was white and red haired and long legged. Um, she got all the focus of everything and people forgot there were actual victims in this crime. People yeah. forgot that even if the husband was abusive, that he was shot between the eyes in cold blood in his car on an yeah. abandoned road. Yeah. That that is- there, there are two children who have to live with without their father the death of their father at this you know like those are the things that were neglected by the media those are the things that make me sick that they weren't reported on that what everybody wants to talk about is the cinnamon haired debutante who was so victimized by men in her life and but like so So, and and you kind of forget and uh, and i'm not saying that she was the trigger person here because i don't think she was but also can we just stop glorifying murderers period um well and like she did not stop like romantic like and and we do this and we do it as consumers too and so like that it's just as much on us we have to stop romanticizing this bullshit right like it's not romantic oh my this story is terrible there is a man who may or may not have abused his wife who was shot and killed and he's hardly mentioned in the story of his own murder right um i will say that the the seattle weekly closes with and finally can the ex-beauty queen win the hearts and minds of langley quote peggy doesn't really have any empathy for people says neighbor dodd i don't think the town has much for her either (laughs) so there's that this story is just 
bonkers. It, the story leaves you wanting more because like you want to know what actually happened. Yeah, but it also wants me wanting way less. Yeah. Like say less. Say less, but say more about other things. So the story was crazy. I so know. like kudos to Ashley Williams. Like this was a great like first. This was a good, this was a really good rip from the headlines because it has no good people in it and there's no like satisfying ending. Yes. I would have, if I'd had more time, I would have read, read Anne Rule's book. But as you know, earlier last year, I wrote Anne Rule off because she was very problematic in that one book that I read. Like, I she's, have real problems with Anne Rule anyway. Not even the her, book, like the oh, between her yeah, victim blaming Bundy, and her glorification of Ted Bundy, it just became too much for me. Like um, we all get you wanted to have sex with Ted Bundy. You don't have to write a book about it. It's not necessary. He was garbage. He was not hot. Don't come for me. Okay, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> I. If this was your first episode, please go back and listen to something else. I promise we are funny sometimes. And my notes are usually better organized, but there was no way to organize these. This case was a hot mess. This whole story was like somebody boiled pasta and just kept throwing noodles to see what was going to stick at the wall and nothing did. There was not a single detail. That's our title, noodles stuck to the wall. The, the title I actually picked was uh, either Adult Bop It or How the Devil Makes You Have Sex. So, <laughs> Oh, God. I kind of want to write to Ashley Williams and be like, I need to know more, but also less. Uh, can we, can we uh, just text her and be like, hey, you, you owe us. We watched your movie she does owe us paul left paul lost complete hours of his life he'll never get back in research you know look i can't stand the heartbreak again so if you'd like you can text her (laughs) i just can't do it well everybody we (laughs) so appreciate you joining us yes um aaron's gonna tell you where you can find us on social media Yes, you can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. You can email us at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com, or you can go to lifetime sentence.com and click the little button that says email us. And it'll be a nice surprise because all we get are emails about our settlement or our domain running out or catering sometimes. I'm taking that so. fucking form down. I'm just so done with it. <laughs> Um, you can find us on TikTok at Lifetime Sentence and also Patreon, patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. $1 gets you all audio content. $5 a month gets you all, all of the content. Everything. Yep. Yep. Is um, that everything? And yes. And so, um, people, one person sent us their, um, <laughs> Send us their what's that called discord, discord. username mm-hmm. um and so i'm hoping that that takes off i'm really excited about that yeah. look if you want to drop us your discord we are working on setting up a discord channel so yeah i'm gonna like do that while i'm on vacation yes be the one thing i do while i'm on vacation yes and don't forget and we will of, not we have will be new gone. content 
I may stitch together a um, Patreon vault, but um, more likely, I think we'll probably just take the week off. Yeah. Um, it will be my spring break. Hopefully. Um, I hope you understand like where it's. Yes. So I just. To... Plus I need to get a whole new schedule together for. Yeah. Um, and if you have suggestions for movies, hey, if you have a true crime movie that you like, that's not necessarily, like that's a um, scripted crime movie that is not Lifetime, send it our way because we're okay with watching something not Lifetime too, something that we haven't covered. Yeah. Um, we're always open to suggestions. If you have something we haven't covered that's Lifetime, also tell us about that. Please. Um, we are, uh, we're always open to everything. I'm so sleepy that words don't happen anymore. So no. I'm going to go ahead and head out and I'm just going to say um, that you can't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye.